it felt like people were once again putting me in a very specific kind of box and i don't want to be in these boxes i want to do all this other i want to do so much stuff you know (laughs) i want to do so many things (laughs) don't put me in this box (laughs) i want to do all these other things first i got your voicemail then i got you but we can meet in person or maybe on zoom so tell me what your genre tell me what do you do i'd like to know the things that specifically I'm Tim Barnes, you are the genre, and in each episode, I ask interesting people about the first genres that inspired them, the first crafts they pursued, and how they feel about those pursuits now. This time around, I'm talking to comedian, writer, and actor James III, and honestly, I feel lucky to be one of the few people in this world who know what his actual last name is. You might recognize his face from such things as the hilarious Cat Williams sketch in the Netflix series Astronomy Club, or his name from the credits of numerous shows including Adam Ruins Everything and the recent revival of Nickelodeon's All That. Or perhaps you've read one of the comics under the banner of his own Rule of Three production company, like Junior, which is about a young man doomed to work in the netherworld post office under the tutelage of the post office manager who just so happens to be the father he never knew on earth. James is one of the funniest and most insightful people that I know, and since he's reached this unique space of working in multiple genres and mediums, I wanted to get a sense of how he maneuvers through the industry while staying relatively sane. You're doing a lot of cool things. I'm talking to people who I feel truly are their own genre, and I put you in that category. And uh, we first met when we were in the very surreal situation of being staff writers on a revival of the Nickelodeon kids sketch show, all that feels like it was decades ago somehow. Cause the whole, I, world I think is... it was, I think it actually <laughs> in reality was decades ago. Yeah. Psychologically, <laughs> it's definitely decades ago. You weren't a father then. Um, no. uh, Donald Trump was president. Uh, there, there was a lot, it was a crazy, uh, I don't know. I exhausted myself just time. saying all that. <laughs> but it, <laughs> but By the like time Donald this comes president. out, Donald Trump will be president again. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like he was president, but it wasn't the pandemic yet. So it was still awful, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't yet at that point where it was the craziest scenario in the world. But what I remember was that you had a lot of things going on. You are a founding member of Astronomy Club, the uh, sketch comedy team that at the time was about to have a Netflix series come out and the Netflix (laughs) series did come out. And I remember like, this guy is so like, I thought you just like James has his together. He's got all of his like legal stuff figured out. Uh, When I think about James, I think about a guy who like in my head, I call you no drama James because uh, whenever like anything gossipy would start to happen or whatever, you like leave the room, you know, you had your own, you knew what you're, you know, you were Zen. James knew what he was doing. He had a business plan. You probably knew you were going to be a father soon. You know, you're, you're just taking care of business. Do you feel wow. that way when you look back? Absolutely at that? not. I feel the opposite <laughs> of that. But it's but ex- specifically those things that you named, I guess, are real. I mean, I guess I did sort of uh, try to avoid as much gossip as, <laughs> as I could. <laughs> 
And uh, I did suspect that fatherhood was on the horizon. I don't know about having my legal stuff together. That's a random. <laughs> no, it just felt like, you know, I don't know the way like when stuff would come up, I was so new to it. You had already written for some shows like you had already been in the business enough on screen, all kinds of stuff yeah. that like sure. I felt like, you know, I was playing catch up. You know, you had a lawyer. I don't. I still don't have a lawyer. Right. Like you had that kind of okay, stuff yeah. going on. Yeah, I guess I did have at least that stuff uh, set up. But I certainly don't feel. I feel very frazzled. I don't feel like somebody who has their <laughs> together. I feel like somebody who desperately wants to have their <laughs> together, and maybe desperately wants to uh, seem as though I have my, my <laughs> together. <laughs> but I, and so maybe that's where that's coming from. It's coming from a general kind of, also all that itself. I feel like it was such a high pressure situation for me, just in that, like what it meant to me was so much. Uh -huh. So there was a lot of like inner turmoil happening that I don't know if I expressed. And so in my trying to keep the inner turmoil quelled, <laughs> you know, like that just sort of seemed like I was, I guess, together quote-unquote. Yeah, because I feel like we are both nerdy people, but we engage in it differently. Like, you have an encyclopedic knowledge of all of the things that you are a fan of, whereas sure, I sure. am more like, <laughs> I, I know how to condense the general vibe of the things I was a fan of, but I don't know all the names. I don't know, <laughs> you know, all of the individual beats of the thing, whereas you were a fan fan of all that yeah. specifically. Yeah, but that even just comes from like I had a bunch of VHS tapes that I would watch like all the time. It was never my intention to like have a Rolodex <laughs> of of things <laughs> like to be like, "Oh, I remember that sketch from season blah 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 of whatever, you know, and like be able to uh, but I feel like I just watched that stuff so much that it just got yeah. ingrained in a, in a way. But it was never intentional. And even that as a reality is something that it's like, oh, I guess I do have an encyclopedic knowledge of those things that I'm really excited about. But I get when I see it in other people, I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had it like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wish I could speak Klingon as, a, as, a, as an idea. I mean, I don't I was I wasn't into Star Trek on that level, but it's like I wish I were that level. <laughs> like I don't I didn't just consume the thing but I also then I now belong to it you know I live in yeah. it kind of thing I feel like that's an exciting uh, way to enter our first question which is what is the first genre that you were drawn to and this is intentionally vague it can be anything as yeah. long as it rings true to your inner self James yeah I mean I when you first sent me that we would be talking about this I like had a panic attack and I was like, well, what was it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it was. And I think, I mean, if I said cartoons, would that count or would I need to say like these specific kinds of like, <laughs> do I need to say like slapstick, you know, like, you know, uh, Looney Tunes kind of like slapstick animation was the first <laughs> genre okay. that I was <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I mean, well, let's start with the abstract. So it seems like you wanted to just say cartoons. What is it about cartoons? For me, I mean, and, and it's probably a, one of those things that it is like, yeah, like what? why kids love cartoons. But I loved 
just how boundless they seemed and how there was like both a logic that was illogical, you know, like it would be like Bugs Bunny can walk across the thing or they can walk across the thing. But if they look down, then they're going to fall, you know, like those things I loved. And, And when I think about the first thing I've drawn to, this is probably later. I remember loving like Cartoon Network. And the kind of like implication that like they they would have these like interstitials where you were like walking through the office and like Wiley Coyote is at the water cooler and then over here is Johnny <laughs> Bravo and then over there is and they're like in the office and I was uh-huh. f- floored by that idea and which again I think is later than like probably the first time I was really into something or anything but like I remember that like when I think about like being drawn to something you know, like unable to kind of pull myself away from it that I was like obsessed. And it feels like the interstitials are the thing. And I worry that that's something that like kids don't get now in the streaming world. Yeah. (laughs) But when I think about Nickelodeon or like anything that I loved as a kid, which was very TV based, it is all commercials and interstitials. And it's not even necessarily the show. It's just like the tone setting of these like quick things. That's it's the indoctrinated, we're indoctrinated in those moments. Like in those moments is when they're like, <laughs> is when we're getting brainwashed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's, it's, cause I, the thing I named was like being in the office at Cartoon Network, but it's with the cartoons. And it's like, yeah, like that was being welcomed behind the veil, but there is no, that's a fake thing, you know? Like it's. <laughs> It's a fake idea that you can go to an office and like dap Marvin the Martian. You know, like it's not a real thing that can happen, but it was how they pulled me in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then just like, I'm trying to think of things that aren't even cartoons, but like the mad TV thing of you are watching mad TV, mad. Yeah. That's all I think about. When that <laughs> yeah. comes up. Right. It's not a specific yeah. sketch or anything. It's just that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Right, that ear, it's it just in your brain. And and yeah, oh, this, their stamp, they put a stamp in our brains. Yeah, it feels like this is an official thing. Uh, so what was your favorite cartoon uh, among those? You, you mentioned uh, like Bugs Bunny and stuff. Yeah, I did say Bugs Bunny, didn't I? Um, <laughs> when I think about my favorite <laughs> cartoon, <laughs> it's like it probably wasn't even. Well, so, so. When I also think about this, I used to do impressions. And my first impressions bit, it was Bugs Bunny, and then it was like Foghorn Leghorn and the Chicken Hawk. And then it was like the Genie and Iago in Aladdin. So I feel like I can't think of one specific favorite cartoon, but I think those, the Disney movies, and I think the like constant reruns of like Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes, Merry Melodies. Those were the jam, you know, but I never remember there being like one that I was like, oh, but this is the, you know, this is the one. Like even thinking about like probably a Disney movie that I watched a lot, like Rescuers Down Under. I watched that all the time, but I would never say (laughs) like that's me like breaking open my memory to find something, (laughs) you know, but I, I remember watching that all the time, but I don't think I ever was like, you know, my favorite one is rescuers down under, you know? (laughs) Well, it's like, it's interesting because you mentioning all this stuff, I can see how that plays out in your comedy as a monotone guy who can't do act outs. I am ever (laughs) fascinated by, 
uh, people like you who can break into character. And I, I actually, I feel like I rely on people like you, like in a writer's room or any <laughs> scenario. Um, when you say you can't do act outs, what do you mean by that? I mean, do you mean if I you... were to attempt to do to do an act out, it would be the most uncomfortable moment for both myself and any <laughs> audience member. I mean that. <laughs> I mean, you know how people pretend that they want introverts to be extroverted, but no one really wants to see the attempt. uh... (laughs) yeah that is an area of like it's like well do you know what you're getting into when you ask me this me this i don't want to do this (laughs) i'm i'm this other you don't want us to go down this road you think you do but oh but if we yeah yeah okay i hear you yeah (laughs) i don't know what to do with my legs uh but james you know how to dance you know how to become uh you know how to become cat williams Listen. Um, and, uh, <laughs> is a part of that your that, that sort of like open improvisational embodying different people who aren't necessarily yourself does that come from cartoons in some way do you think I guess so I mean I I yeah like I guess like even just thinking about how throughout any given particularly the Looney Tunes uh, or like Freakazoid I guess is or or yeah Freakazoid or Animaniacs I guess like where it's like any of those there's their baseline, but then throughout they're just like, and now for this moment, I'm, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Groucho Marx or whatever <laughs> Bugs Bunny would do. Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess so. I don't know. I don't, I, I can't say yes for sure, but yeah, probably. There's probably a lot of like influence from that. Yeah, because when we were at all that, I was like, thank God there's another black guy here and he can do act outs. <laughs> Because if everyone was relying on me to do, <laughs> to do that, I would lose this job in a week. Like not- <laughs> no, there's no world in which that. Imagine that they they're, they turn to you. <laughs> there's no, they're, they're like, we need. This is the guy that needs to do the. <laughs> Oh boy! And if he and if he doesn't, his job is <laughs> interviews. The interview. There's no point in the interview in which that came up. But the second you get in the room and you're the only black guy there, they're like, "Well, <laughs> well, yeah, you yeah. don't have a black man to do these act outs." So <laughs> that probably does happen all the time. Um, yeah, it's like a, I think it's an invented pressure in myself, and I'm like, I can't. I feel like I'm always disappointing myself in my inability to do that. <laughs> but um, so what would you say the first official craft was that you pursued? Was it comedy focused? I, so when I think about this, I used to be an illustrator. I used to um, be a vi- visual artist. I loved drawing. I loved sketching. And I think that that's, I mean, it, 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 it's either that or it is like the I did a talent show when I was in the third grade where I was doing all those impressions that I just named. And so perhaps like comedy was it, but I think, I think drawing was first. And that's a direct line from your love of cartoons. And yeah, I mean, I really wanted to, I remember wanting to be a cartoonist, wanting to be the guy who, you know, the, in the back to Bugs Bunny, but like when it would be like, Bugs Bunny's drawing the cartoon or like someone's you, a, vo- a hand would come in and be drawing the cartoon. Yeah. I, I wanted to be that. I wanted to be like Hannah and Barbara, but both of them. I wanted to be Hannah Barbara, the person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? Let me tell you something, James. Most of my life, I thought Hannah Barbara was one woman. 
Only yeah. later. <laughs> only and maybe it's not? two years. What do you mean? It's <laughs> <laughs> not a woman named <laughs> Hannah Barman. <laughs> I think I did too, though. I yeah. I I but I but then I would get like the books and stuff. Like I was upset. I truly wanted to do it. So I would like look, look at books and stuff. And which one? One of them's Joseph, and then the other one is. Maybe it's Joseph. I'm going to say Joseph Hannah and Joseph Barbera because I can't remember which one. Is <laughs> but in like uh, Chuck Jones, I wanted mm-hmm. to like I wanted to be a cartoonist and also then voice. You know what I mean? I wanted to like do it all. Was that uh, encouraged by your mom? This this urge. Yeah, yeah. She, she, uh, you know, she would always get me sketchbooks and stuff and was like, was always very supportive. We were all in the arts growing up. I have two sisters and we all kind of did a variety of different things, but it was very much something that my mom cultivated and like wanted us to be able to pursue. So you hadn't discovered the focus on comedy just yet. Where did that emerge for you? I ended up going to a performing arts middle school. I remember it being a thing of did I my mom asking like oh do you want to visual and performing arts middle school and it was like oh do you want to go for art or do you want to go for drama and I was like nervous about memorizing a monologue so I didn't do drama I went for art and then we would have these like periods where you would do exploratory like a free period where you would try out one of the other arts and I started Skipping, I started not going to the ones that, that I'm supposed to do, and going to drama. And I truly, it's it's wild to look back on this and be like, I was just skipping those classes because you would think someone, you would think someone would have done something, you know, you would yeah, think someone yeah. would have figured it out or blah blah blah. And I and I imagine that someone behind the scenes like figured out how to like make it work that it was okay that I wasn't going. But I remember like not even going to my art classes at a certain point and like and kind of focusing more on doing performance we did commedia dell'arte there and there was a lot of like improv and stuff and i think that that's when i really like tried to focus on on comedy in that way and then it that carried over into doing like improv and i i didn't do it so much in high school but i ended up doing it in college it's amazing that you were like engaged in this stuff at such a young age but it's also amazing that the James III that I'm looking at right now is at a very full circle moment with all that stuff. You're not necessarily, I mean, maybe you are still drawing a lot, but you're working with artists. You're making, <laughs> you're making comic books. Yeah. And it feels like you're fully engaged with all of the core things that you love right now. Yeah, trying to. I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't get to draw as much. But even it was like, it was sort of the pandemic that brought me back into sketching. Like I got a sketchbook maybe a year before that thinking like, oh, I'll be able to do blah, blah, blah in my free time. There was no <laughs> free time. <laughs> and then and then everything shut down and it was like, well, what am I going to do? And I started drawing again and it was really cool. It was cool to get to like kind of, oh, I can still do some of this to, to some degree. I'm not good by any means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good by... By any means, but but <laughs> it is like it is fun to kind of go back to that and see how much of me is still able to execute in certain ways. What characters were you drawing when you were a kid? Did any of those come back? Yeah, so I started. There was a a car, 
cartoonist, a local cartoonist who came to our middle school. And, and you, you, you're from Ohio, right? Ohio, yeah. There is something in the air in Ohio where... Is there? <laughs> there, there? There is. There oh, is. Oh, yeah. The American Splendor guy. I don't know why his name. I love him, but his name... Right, yeah, yeah. Is coming to mm-hmm. mind. American like, what is, what is the, the vibe of Ohio to you? Like, and what part of it are you, are you from? Yeah, so I'm from Akron, which is the Northeast area. And the vibe is not that way. I mean, granted, I went to a performing arts middle school and then later high school. But the vibe was never like that we were like a hub. But we knew about people. Like, I think Tim Allen also is someone who was in was in maybe Cleveland. So they're like people who are like, oh, yeah, such and such. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know so and so was out here doing a blah, blah, blah. And like Bone Thugs and Bone Thugs and Harmony are <laughs> Cleveland uh, uh, <laughs> based rappers. Um, uh, you know, and so like there was like a, a hand, but it never felt like we were. Uh, ever like on the cusp of of any kind of thing. I mean, I guess like anywhere there were arts areas and people that are interested in these things. And so I was surrounded by it. I started middle school in fourth grade. And from then on, like there was never not some kind of arts going on in my life, in my in my home, in my community. And I feel like I cut you off when we were talking about what you were drawing as a kid. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was yeah, yeah, I was just going to say that I there's a caricature of myself that is not like a traditional the way people draw caricatures, but it was how my like fifth grade brain processed the explanation of what a caricature is that I still draw now. And he became the he's the guy who I draw in the Poor Man Chronicles uh, comics mm-hmm. if you've seen those. Um he's, he has a big nose and he has wild unruly hair and those were things about myself that I wanted to exaggerate. My mom always wanted me to get a haircut and I hated getting my haircut. And I and I felt like I had a just like a too big for my face nose. And so that's what I <laughs> that's it's the, funny that you find the humor that you saw in your own face. Yeah, I mean it, it that was how he he was like you take a thing and you exaggerate he you know explained what one is. It's truly the most kind of rudimentary <laughs> drawing you can for those of you who have not seen those that are listening to this and have not seen it like we have but yeah i and i still you know to this day like to draw it and it brings me joy to kind of see it it's like oh look at that i could still you know it's still very much like in my it's like riding a bike type thing or in my muscle memory to like to draw what he what he looks like and um and then like i was super into drawing like courage the cowardly dog and like scooby and I can still get those mm-hmm. uh, pretty close to what those characters look like. No more originals, just the character of myself. When you were talking about the art school and middle school, it feels like an important schism when you started ditching the arts classes and going to drama. Was that a tough thing for you or it, it happened so naturally that you didn't yeah, really think Yeah, I mean, about it, it was, I think going back to like, I think it did happen naturally. I don't recall... Uh, it ever being like, oh, I wonder if I can get in here, you know, if I, you know, or like it even being a thing where it's like, let me <laughs> slip out. You know, I think it just started, I just started enjoying myself more and more doing drama. And I think this goes back to my work ethic of like, oh, I don't want to memorize a monologue. 
you know, so let me do this. I already have this portfolio. And then I think what happened was like visual art started getting hard, <laughs> you know, it started getting, it started getting hard. <laughs> I, I, this is me. I, I have never put words to this, but I feel like that's what happened. I feel like, you know, the, the technique started getting more and more complex. And as that happened, I was like, well, th- mm. I, well I can do a voice, you know, I can uh, let me, I'll memorize a script and how much time, you know, um, uh, and so yeah. I think I started gravitating more towards that because it came more easily <laughs> than the other. That's a really important thing for everybody. It's like when you find the thing that isn't so much of work that you are a little bit more of a natural talent at, learning what those dividing lines are are really important. I'm sure that if you like at the time chose to like, I'm going to sit down and every day yeah. draw a hand, <laughs> um, you would... <laughs> You'd be drawing hands <laughs> yeah. right now, James. Um, <laughs> That's, I think that you're right. <laughs> but because you chose a thing that both gave you joy, but also you were a little more naturally inclined to, took you down this very interesting path. And so like studying drama, did that lead into the discovery of improv? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I knew what it was before. And I remember being shown uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? while we were there. And I feel like that was like the way in or the intro to that. And like doing other theater games and other short form stuff in class is what brought me to it. I'm remembering when I was in high school, a close friend of mine, Simon, who you met at the Good Burger premiere. So he was in a like community improv group. And I remember him being like, you gotta come and do this. But I was scared. I was scared to do, like, I liked doing it in school, (laughs) but it was like, oh, but I can't, you know, do it with these, with, they're all adults in my mind, you know, anyone that's not at my school is is an adult, I guess. (laughs) And it, yeah, yeah. Can't enter the real world. Yeah. uh, Oh, I, I can't, I I don't, I don't want to do that. So I was like, I was afraid to do it then. So only kind of did it in school scenarios until college, which I guess technically was still in school, but you're, you're doing it on a, you're doing it at a larger level, I guess. I'm interested in the James that I met at all that and who you were at that point, just getting into like doing improv outside, outside of school. At what point did you get a, a laser focus on comedy specifically? It took until my first UCB class uh, in New York, which would have been another, like 2011, 2012, I think is when, is when I took my first classes there. And I had always intended on doing some kind of training program, some kind of improv training program while I was in New York. Second City was there for a bit and then went away. And then I got distracted by theater for a while. But then like it was, there's specifically, I think, it was Anne Hathaway's SNL, her first one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the in the cold open of it, Abby Elliott is playing Rachel Maddow, and she says, "And that's all the time we have in live from New York. It's Saturday night, and it was a beacon." <laughs> she was like telling me, <laughs> "Stop doing all this other stuff. You want to audition for SNL? Go and start doing." Oh, wow! Comedy. So like that week. I applied for the diversity scholarship at UCB and then started taking classes maybe half a year later. I started with uh, intensives. I think I did a a 101 intensive and then I did my 201 
was regular length. And then I think I did an intensive for my back half. But starting at UCB was, I think, what really jumped me into it. And I, and I at the same time, started interning at the People's Improv Theater in New York. And I started taking classes simultaneously, which I don't recommend anyone do. <laughs> don't, don't, if you're trying to learn uh, anything, don't do 40 things at once. Focus on the thing. Um, but that's when it, and I, and I remember like I had been floundering kind of in the theater space for a number of years, but I remember like calling my mom and being like her being like, so you like doing this, this comedy stuff. And I remember saying, this is it. Like, this is what, (laughs) this is all I'm going to be doing, you know? And for, you know, a, a number of years, it was the only thing that I was kind of devoting my attention to. (laughs) (laughs) That is uh, very interesting to me, but there is an undeniable magic to watching Saturday Night Live live when you live in New York. And it feels like that is the key to (laughs) that magical moment for you at that point. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Because it is like, well, they're they're just down the street. You know, like you got to do. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You got to just do this. Can we... (laughs) <laughs> Can we unpack that emotion a bit? Like, how long had you been watching Saturday Night Live until then? That is a great question that I don't quite know the answer to. And I guess I'm skipping some some steps in terms of like laser focus on comedy because I'm not one of the to you to your point of like having an encyclopedic knowledge. I'm not one of these people who can be like, well, this season with and then name the ca- all the cast members and tell you like the <laughs> sketches that they were in. Like, I didn't watch it like that. Even when I had that feeling of wanting to be on it, I hadn't watched that much. I feel like I was really into it in high school. Loved the like Tina Fey kind of seasons. And I think there was like some point, there had been some point probably around here where I was like watching as much stand up as I could and watching as much sketch as I could and like trying to consume as much as as much of that stuff. It potentially started here in this moment, but I feel like I was watching SNL because I had already started doing a little bit of that, if that makes sense. I don't know. It was it was and I don't and I'm I'm also sort of remembering like wanting to kind of do stand up a little bit at this time and like watching a bunch of like stand up specials and things like that. But like you know, but it was never like SNL was never like always the dream. I think it sort of like became the dream briefly. <laughs> yeah, and it's a powerful one. Like it's still as uh, of all, like a lot of TV based comedy dreams have faded. Like I'm sure a lot of people still have it. Like I want to do a late night set on the Tonight Show or whatever. But the impact of those has faded a bit with time with this new streaming era or whatever the hell's going on. But Saturday Night Live still, like, yeah. the fact that it's a live weekly show, it still has like this magical impact that is this like goalpost for a lot of people. I think because it also still can have that kind of, it still has that thing where it's like a, an, it will take you into a new echelon in your career if you book it, you know? I think that still becomes yeah. true. And I have heard that it's not as true if you do your type five on whichever late night show. It definitely isn't. It, what you've yeah, heard is like true, it, James. Yeah. You don't have to sugarcoat this. Well, no, I mean, I don't, I, I'm just saying, 
I, I'm, I'm just saying I have heard that that's not true. <laughs> but I know. But I, I don't know why you're, why you're running for president right now, James. It's, I, no, I'm just, everyone knows this. Just, just the information that I have been – what I come across <laughs> my desk is that <laughs> – Well, well, I I'm, I guess I'm actually talking in that way because I'm just not sure what the like when I see people get like, oh, here's my I'm doing I have my Netflix special or I have my bit, mm. you know, like I'm just still not sure what the one I'm not sure what it what any of it does. I'm sure it does do stuff. Yeah. I just I <laughs> was speaking in that way because I'm it's a blind spot. That well, I, James, <laughs> you've had a sketch show on Netflix. I'm just kidding. Like, what? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But I'm, but I'm just saying what my what I understand what I've what I've come to understand uh, of my constituents is that. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> don't scroll away. You are the genre. We'll be right back after the break. You are the genre is currently an independently produced podcast, which is my way of saying I haven't really figured out how to get actual ads in this midsection right here. Instead. I'll mostly use this little break to promote stuff that I've been loving. And one of those things is, in fact, James III's comic book titled Junior. We didn't get around to talking about it in this podcast, but I just want the world to know how impressive, funny, and layered this debut comic is. I highly recommend everyone peruse the website, ruleof3inc.com. And that's with the number three, not the letters. Every month on my newsletter... I send updates on other things that I've been loving, like Jordan Peele's episode of Conan O'Brien's podcast, or what I honestly think is one of the best movies of 2023, God's Time. You should subscribe to it. And if you choose to upgrade to paid, you'll have access to episodes of this show a week earlier than everybody else. Get more info on that and more at youarethegenre.com. By the way, are you enjoying the show? I really have no idea. Leave a comment wherever you're listening. It's a huge help. Why am I yelling? I have no idea. Now, back to the episode. Where were we? Years ago, I interviewed uh, Dwayne Kennedy, who's one of my favorite comedians. And he was, he said something that that was a bit of like, uh, I, I didn't know what my equivalent of it was, but he was telling me that all that he wanted was to do Letterman. So his comedy yeah. <laughs> was laser focused on that one goal. He yeah. finally did Letterman and didn't know what to do after that. Like this, this, uh, this strange feeling. And I've had levels of that feeling with different successes. Cause it's like a, you've accomplished this thing. What, what do you, what do you do after that? Like, is there something that you should be doing after that? That's a big choice that people, <laughs> people have to deal with at some point in their lives. Yeah. I can't even imagine. It's like, <laughs> what do you, yeah. Like, what do you do? <laughs> well, I did it. I got on Letterman. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. I just I just keep doing comedy. Yeah, I can say that I did Letterman. Uh, <laughs> so the reason I'm asking so much about when you got to the laser focus with comedy is to talk about some of those feelings of uncertainty that come up in the business, as we say, mm -hmm. yeah. in the industry, working inside the machine, um, where <laughs> it feels like you have to brand yourself. You have to live within the parameters of one genre and knowing how many different uh, things that you're interested in, would you say there was a breaking point of you kind of setting that expectation around yourself or feeling like you had to be in a certain mold in order to get a certain thing? 
Yeah, I mean, um, those years of being laser focused on comedy, I mean, I guess sort of in a way similar to what we were just talking about with the letterman of it all, but like those years of being laser focused of being centered on comedy, it was like, yeah, every, every meeting I had, people wanted specific things based off of the last thing that they saw me do, you know? So there were the periods where it was like, kind of like, people were like, when's your stand up special coming out? Then people were like, what thing do you want to host? You know? And then once astronomy club came out, it was like, what are the other sketch things that I'm going to do? When I started doing comedy, I, I said to myself, it's like, well, these are my interests. I knew what my interests were. I like talking about race. I like talking about relationships. And I'm a Shakespearean actor. So I like, I like that I can, <laughs> I like that these three things are sort of like the spheres that I'm interested in, which ignore a whole other part of me, which is like super interested in sci fi and dinosaurs and time travel and stuff. But for whatever reason, I was like, these are the three things that I'm going to kind of focus on. That was kind of the lanes that I was trying to figure out how to get into. And I think that to an extent, I was successful in those areas. I mean, like my podcast was about talking about race and diversity in Hollywood. And I worked with Astronomy Club and we were an all black team kind of infiltrating an all white space. And it was like, all of that was great, <laughs> you know, and it was great to kind of focus in that way. But then once Astronomy Club came out and Astronomy Club gets canceled after a season, but even in that period of time when it's coming up, you know, people were like, you know, what's your sketch or do you want to work in late night? And 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 the late night stuff sort of still kind of comes up. And I don't know, for me... <laughs> Going back to the fear of me like being like, I can't do these improv shows in high school because they were scary to me. I, I don't feel like a jokes guy. I don't feel like the guy that is like writing jokes. I, I love performing sketch. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I love changing my voice. I love doing this, that, and the other. But I think like around there, you know, with the Astronomy Club coming out and seeing what was then starting to come my way there is what sort of caused me to then start to shift <laughs> in another direction because it felt like people were once again putting me in a very specific kind of box. And I don't want to be in these boxes. I want to do all this other, I want to do so much stuff, you know, <laughs> I want to do so many things. <laughs> don't put me in this box. <laughs> I want to do all these other things. Yeah. Yeah. Which, okay. We're both skilled in all elements of comedy, but we have the opposite things that, that we're better at. Like it's so fun. I very rarely, I'm so like in awe of people who can do act acts and character work and stuff that I never think about the opposite end of like, uh, you know, uncertainty about like being a jokey person, which I feel like I probably am more of. Um, yeah. We were talking about how this felt like decades ago, but like the hopefulness for um, that astronomy club season and then like Netflix, even it wasn't that long ago, but it felt like a different beast than it is now. Like people didn't at the time know how much it would become this um, black hole of content in, yeah. in a way. Yeah. And I think it was, it was already, it was already becoming that. And even in the swiftness with which they greenlit us, like we were from pitch to air 
within a year, which I think is generally rare for like a fully produced scripted thing, you know? (laughs) So it was like blindingly fast from, because we also even didn't even start working until May, I want to say. And we were out in December. So what is, how many months is that? (laughs) I mean, what is, that's like eight months? What is it? (laughs) So within eight months, it was like, get this, put it on, you know, (laughs) get it on. (laughs) Um, uh, And so it felt like it was, it was kind of slowly becoming that. And I don't even know if specifically that's what we're a victim of, but what we definitely were is certainly like, there were like projections. They were like, oh, it's going to be, these are the numbers it's going to do. They had an idea and it didn't do that. I, I don't think it didn't do well for what it was, <laughs> you know, but I think it, <laughs> I think it didn't do what the, they were like, this is the, this is the puzzle piece that it's going to fill. And it, it not doing that, I think like is why it went in the direction that it did, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm uh, in a way surprised, too, because it seems like with your laser focus on wanting to get on SNL, for instance, I guess, I mean, and yeah, in the astronomy club, you're a writer, but you're also on camera. Like, it feels directly tied to the things that you want. And the questions that people are asking you feels directly tied to this specific SNL thing that you want. Um, What was like underneath the thing about the questions that was bothering you the most? Well, I think like even the SNL wasn't the end game. Right. Like I, I want to be on SNL because I want to be Eddie Murphy or like I want to be on SNL because <laughs> I want to be, you know, like because I want to I want the after I want the like I want to be a known entity in the industry, you know. And so the SNL gives you that name, you know, I think when I in that moment of me signing up for classes and being excited by the way, uh, by the way, uh no, no, I'm, I'm. I was about to say Rachel Maddow, <laughs> but, <laughs> but by the way, I I heard live from New York. It's Saturday night that night. I think that was like I want to be on this show and have fun on this show and like do this job because the, because I have X, Y, and Z skills and I would I would be a good asset to this. I think I would excel here. You know, once you start doing comedy head on you start to see all of the other sides of it you know i had had i had had a lot of experience doing sketch and so you know you start to feel like oh this is what it feels like being in a sketch being on a sketch team or being on a regular sketch show and and so it starts to lo- like snl it's like now you and then you start comparing like what that is you know like oh well but what it would what mm-hmm. it would mean to be on snl would mean like i would feel like this but now I'm getting paid a little bit more, you know, like it's like, (laughs) you know, so I think, I think the idea of doing sketch started to lose its shine to me a little bit. Uh Um, So then that's one, but then two, what the specific questions were, it goes back to like the dream starts to evolve and starts to become something else. Like I really, I just, I want to be working. I want to be working in the field, you know, and the more you do one thing, the more you get, pigeonholed into the box of that thing you know particularly stuff like you know the like oh what what thing are you going to host after you do a podcast for a while it's like great but <laughs> we can't all be joel McHale. you know only a couple yeah. of us can be joel McHale. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
there's only a couple people like that, you know, and then and yeah. everybody else is still hosting something, you know. This is unique to my experience. I don't think this is necessarily true of every, you know, I think everybody should continue to get in where they fit in. It's like capitalism. <laughs> like people, <laughs> like even if you like you, you, if you record a great special, people are like, when's the next one? Or like, yeah. like it's a, I feel <laughs> yeah. like there's a natural annoyance to that thing. Like, um, and I like the idea of like having a sense of finality and figuring out what you're going to do after that, even if it's like completely divergent. Um, yeah. But now it feels like the pandemic was a wake up call in a number of ways. And I often cite this um, fact about uh, about Jordan Peele. He dreamed of being on SNL, even when it was at Mad TV. He got the opportunity to audition, got offered to become a cast member. Mad TV wouldn't let him out of his contract. And he made a point from then on to do whatever he needed to do behind the scenes to be in a position of control over his career. And mm-hmm. if you follow every little step that he did <laughs> leading up to get out, it's like incredible. Like you can you can see all of the individual choices and how specific they were that led yeah. him to the point that he's at now. And it feels to me like you're doing a similar thing. Um, you've got, Trying. you know, you, see, <laughs> you claim to be a guy who doesn't have his together but you've got you know you've got your own comic book company you've got things going on like that are really really exciting yeah i i jordan peele i think is a great example in that like yes he he made a point to try to have control over his career and having control over my career is all i want (laughs) it's it's all i want (laughs) it's and 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 it's it's hard because we can't all be Jordan Peele also, right? Like we can't all then also shoot to superstardom in this way and then make this carve out this very specific lane for ourselves or like, or uh, I always think about uh, Seth Rogen also, like how he was able to kind of explode in this way and is now an exceptional producer and writer and director uh, as well as being a talented actor and i would love to do that i would love to have the control and i would love to create i'd love to create as much as i possibly can you know and the more you're faced with gatekeepers the harder that becomes so you gotta have the gate yourself i don't know what the rest part the rest of that is but (laughs) 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 but, you know but i i that is what i want to do at least what i'm feeling right now even if it means that like I literally fund everything that I do from from now on, you know, and, <laughs> and figure out what that is, then that can be what it is. But um, all I want is to know where I am and know, you know, I'm doing what I want to be doing. And I feel like the lingering question is, is Saturday Night Live still a factor in this equation I, of yours? L- listen, I, I cannot publicly say that I never want to do... <laughs> <laughs> SNL. I I have auditioned twice. I've auditioned twice. Uh-huh. First time I didn't get very far. Second time I got. Can we talk about the high stakes of your second time audition? Because this oh, is yeah. how. <laughs> right. Oh, I mean, right. This is you, how. Like you are one of the most. You know all of these details. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it was a high stakes decision for you to do that. I don't even yeah. remember the details of it, but I remember thinking like. Damn, James, like, it's, I don't know, is James too I, passionate? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But I, so I, at the at the time of me getting my test for SNL, I was also testing for a Nickelodeon show 
that I knew the producers on and like I had a great shot. <laughs> I had a great shot at making <laughs> a lot of money in a in a short yeah. period of time. More money than I would have made doing one season of SNL had I booked. Okay. But it's a thing where at least I don't know if this I don't know how true any of this is, but it's a thing where I could not test for both. <laughs> okay. The situation that I was in was like I needed to tell one or the other. <laughs> Yes or no. And like, the, I, I could, for whatever reason, maybe it was like, maybe they fell on the same day or some, maybe it was that, maybe it was as simple as like the tests were the same day, but for whatever reason, I couldn't, and I know people out here testing, I don't test for much. <laughs> I don't test for much. Well, you should have done is you should have set up a dual test, you know, you yeah, could have exactly. had it yeah. on Zoom like both for both time. <laughs> um, and so, and I chose to test for SNL just for what SNL would literally both would mean s- seemingly opposite things for my career. I had been, I had been working at Nickelodeon for a while and I s- literally still do, <laughs> but there's, there's that, there's that talk of like, oh, you, you only write kids stuff or you only the, the box, the people put you in the box, yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep putting mm. you in the box, you know? And, and it, and it was like. Now, do you want to be literally front? Fa- do you want to be a series regular on a Nick- on a Nickelodeon show? Which, uh, of course, I do. <laughs> if anyone knows, <laughs> if anyone knows me, <laughs> they know that's <laughs> that's been the dream the whole time. Um, <laughs> and but it can't, you know. And and so it came down to the to literally the, trying to answer that question. Do I want to be the you know the face of a Nickelodeon show? Not it wouldn't be the face. I'm a grown man. You know, kids would be the face. <laughs> Yeah. Or do you want to do you want that chance? Do you want to continue to to, you know, have that chance of breaking into this new echelon in your career and from now on you're always, you know, you were a featured performer even if you don't last the first season. You have that. You have that SNL in parentheses next to your name forever, right? And I chose that. I think I did a pretty good job. I will also just say, <laughs> um, but a th- but a thing that I you know keep coming to grapple with also is like I mean my impressions can be better, my characters can be stronger, my my stage presence can all like everything can always be sharpened. Can be you know. So I didn't get it for whatever reason. I think what I did was worthy of getting booked. I'm not going to say that, like, <laughs> I'm not going to say that I <laughs> the bed in my <laughs> test because I certainly don't think I yeah. did. Like, it's, it becomes harder to, uh, to you know, to put my tape together again or to have my reps reach uh-huh. out again. Or it becomes, it becomes harder now having, you know, and I know people audition multiple times. And, and I, you know, I, I yeah. hit up people that I know on the, on the show when I was – coming around to it and they were and most of them said yeah it was been a long ride and now i'm on you know and so i try not to close any doors but but i don't know you know it's it certainly feels like it feels like oh i i had my shot and it's over you know <laughs> or pa- not over but has passed <laughs> i had my shot and it has <laughs> and i took it you know and are, are you um, are you in some ways at peace with that yeah no i feel i i i'm glad that i Someone, someone was there and got a picture of me on the monitor on the stage, and so I have a picture of me wearing my Cat Williams wig on stage with the SNL, you know, the where the band and stuff sits behind me. Yeah, and like <laughs> I'm gonna get it framed. <laughs> like 
<laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it, I'm, I am at peace with the fact that I got that far and feel good about it. Would I love to be interviewed by Lauren and then told no? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> any inch would forward I, is good any, for James. You know, would I love to be interview, interviewed uh, uh, by Lauren and then, and then put on the show for half a season and then cut? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Would> I, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Would I love to be interviewed by Norm and then on the show for several seasons and, and, and then and then the rest of my you know life is is cake yes absolutely i would love all of those options you know um so yeah so long way of answering your question but like i think i'll put it to you this way every three days i have the thought that i'm going to work harder on my impressions every three days i have the thought i'm going to start putting characters online and doing that just means like i still care about performing sketch which would then in turn mean to them that i still care about being on this show if the show's still around you know in the in the future but um it's a long way of answering your question like like i feel like the time has you know i had my time and that was great but it also is mm -hmm. a thing where it's like anything anything can happen and i haven't closed any doors myself <laughs> yeah to anyone listening so, yeah, so, so to anyone out there <clears throat> Is anyone from the SNL uh, <laughs> from, the, from SNL that might be hearing this program? Uh, <laughs> well, it feels like that's an important step. Like it, as nuanced as as that as that answer was, your general piece uh, with that is a is like an important step to you, like embracing the fact that you are the genre, and even if you you know decide to put more sketches up somewhere, whatever. It feels to me on, from the outside that a James the Third project is a James the Third project, no matter what genre it is. You can write a, like a, you know, a dramatic, uh, <laughs> you can write a full on <laughs> drama. You know, I, I, I get a sense of what that true impulse of your, of your work is. And I think that's a, that's a great place to, to be. I think, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> Are there any key things that you've learned along the way? Are there any things that you try to remind yourself of on a daily basis now that could be useful to listeners and um, that, you know, things that you keep in mind that could help other people who are who've had a similar path as yours? I mean, I think that this is something that is being said more frequently now by by people, but I'm just going to also add onto the pile, which is like, I do think that people like us who sort of struggle with like, oh, which box am I supposed to be in or what's the thing that I want to do or have so many different things that they want to do is like remembering like if you like it, then it's good. <laughs> you know, like it may not be for everyone, <laughs> but you are a person who likes it. And that means that it may it may you know, grab the attention of, of other people, other like-minded, minded people that, that becomes something that I say to myself more and, and more frequently late, lately. Um, and I, I used to, it used to be the opposite. It used to be, if I liked it, that meant it was wrong almost to some degree. Like, <laughs> was, well, if I, then it certainly isn't, you know? Um, yeah. uh, and so that, that becomes something that, that I, that I, I have myself coming back to and then like yeah like i we've already kind of talked about it but like finding ways to take the reins yourself like like really that that to me is the most freeing thing you know the more 
when the buck stops with you, that's 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 a better way to to that's a better way to to do your to do your own work, you know. And so I, I yeah. just keep coming back to that. And it almost feels like a requirement now because it's like rains don't exist elsewhere anymore. Like there, yeah, <laughs> there are no yeah. the rains you create yourself are the only ones that are out there. Yeah, so exactly. please do not float out into space. Well, this has been <laughs> this has been a great conversation. I hope you had a good time, and I think uh, people are going to get a lot out of it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I I, I hope people do get some anything, literally anything, out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, by the way, I I love your comic book. I I, I just finished oh, reading you. Junior, and it's it's incredible. And everyone, thank should, you. Uh, check that out. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate I appreciate you. It's at ruleof3ink dot com. If you are interested in getting it yourself, three is the number three. Ruleof3ink dot com. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! We didn't even get. Uh, yeah, there's, you have to come back on the podcast at some point because there's more to talk about. Yeah, we'll talk more about it. <laughs> yeah, the fact that you're the third, I'm the second, because I skipped junior. There's a lot going on. All right. <laughs> Do you want more from James the Third? Visit ruleof3inc.com. That's the number three, not the letters. Freddie Nunez created and sings the You Are the Genre theme song, and Adam Smith produced it. Independent scholar Mary Rambrin Olm joins me next episode. But if you become a paid subscriber to my newsletter, you can listen to it a week ahead of the normies. This is Tim Barnes signing off with your weekly reminder that you are the genre. First I got your voicemail, then I got you. But we can meet in person or maybe on Zoom. So tell me what your genre, tell me what do you do? I'd like to know the things that specifically me.